Blog Talk Radio. Romans 2 and 5. Nope. The righteous judgment of the Most High, who will yep. render unto every man according to his nope. deeds, to them who by patience continue yep. in some well-doing seek nope. for glory and honor and immorality, yep. eternal life. But unto them that are nope. contentious and do not obey the yep. truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Great Luke, You an African-American? Nope. You believe that's your heritage? Yep. Do you know who you are? Nope. King, queen? Nigga with back? Nope. Do you shine like a star? Yep. Think they gon' say it? Nope. We gon' explode. Yep. Yeah. They gon' take your life. Nope. So many secrets in the vault. Yep. Do this knowledge cost? Nope. Hop in the book to my. Yep. Do you follow these laws? Nope. Do they still exist? Yep. Have time to wait? Nope. Do we have grace? Yep. Continue in sin? Nope. I'ma ask you again. Yep. Should we continue in sin? Christ is the way, yep. never gonna win, nope. trying to make it to heaven, yep. get there by sin, nope. follow the commandments, yep. everybody got choices, I chose this walk so I keep on trotting, everybody got choices, choose the right path and nothing can stop us, everybody got choices, righteous life, devil don't like that, nah, everybody got choices, choose the right path and save your soul, never going back, no, 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 forward to the kingdom, yep.
from You got to choose one Who you gonna choose the most I heard see it's a Two sides to choose from You got to choose one Who you gonna choose Who you gonna choose Got to choose Alright, alright, alright You gonna learn today Alright, alright, alright all right, all right, all right, all right. Shalom, 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 and good morning. Happy, happy Wednesday to everybody out there. Um, in the name of the Most High in Christ, uh, bless everybody to the 12 tribes worldwide. Shalom, 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 shalom. To our brother schools um, from here in San Antonio to Houston to Northern Virginia to Rochester, New York, uh, the stream of wisdoms, all right? Um, to our school in Houston. Uh, which is being uh, stewarded by our, our brother, our beloved brother, um, Quatrezac, along with the, the dedicated crew of brothers and families out there with Lacro Rob, um, Shatak, um, doing their thing out there in Houston, Texas. Uh, the school is located at 231 FM Road 292, Stafford, Texas, 77477 being the address there. If you have any questions or donations or anything that you'd like to help our school out in Houston, Please contact Priest Quatrezac at area code 303-557-8979. And remember, you can catch uh, our Houston classes uh, every Monday and Mondays and Wednesdays from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And then Fridays from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And also on Sabbath Saturdays starting at 10 a.m. to about 2 p.m. Uh, you, uh, you can check them out. And you can catch them live on YouTube on Wednesdays from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. For our school here in San Antonio, uh, which is located at 4444 Walsham, Street number 201, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Um, they have classes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 7.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m., and then again on Saturday starting at 10 a.m. For any questions or donations or help um, uh, for our school here in San Antonio, please reach out to Brother Awana I at area code 210-862-2643 or Brother Shamshuan at area code 505. Three seven nine six zero nine. For our school in Virginia, uh, which is located at 2016 Granby Street, Nova Virginia, 23517, the address there. Uh, they have class every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. And then again on Saturday starting at 12 noon. I want to check them out. Uh, the brother, the brother, uh, 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 Shaquat, out there with the brother, uh, Bahar, the uh, priest Kazakia, brother Arya. They've been holding it down. They've been doing a great job out there. Um, and you can catch them on uh, Facebook Live um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then on the YouTube channel, SOW Norfolk, Virginia, Stream of Wisdom, again, on Tuesdays, Thursdays, um, on Thursdays, I'm sorry, on Fridays uh, and Saturdays from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Saturdays at 12 noon. Reach out to Priest Kazakia, Eric Hill, 757-300. 4047. Uh, as for our school in Norfolk. For our school in Rochester, um, which is located at 1600 Lyle Avenue, Suite Number 1A, Rochester, New York, 14606. Um, they have class every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday as well, from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. For any questions, donations, or help uh, for our school in Rochester, please reach out to Priest Zainala, Air Code 757 762. 3917. We ask you please don't forget to check out any of our other um, YouTube channels, uh, the Hidden Truth Bible Show, the Israelite Media Corps, or Five Minutes of Wisdom to uh, stay in touch with all the latest 
um, uh, news and other latest um, um, uh, interviews and things that we have going on with these media outlets, please check them out on YouTube. Um, coming up here, uh, uh, our next high holiday that's, that's coming up um, is the Hanukkah, right, from the uh, Hebrew Hanak, meaning uh, dedication. Uh, begins December 7th at sundown. December 7th at sundown, uh, and that ends December uh, 15th at sundown. Hanukkah is a very uh, special day for us, a very special uh, holiday for us. Uh, you want to check that out. Um tell for any of the schools uh, in Norfolk, um, Virginia, I mean Norfolk, Rochester, Houston, or um, San Antonio, and you know if you're in the Albuquerque area, you got to get in touch with whether ice or white desire. If you're in the New Mexico area at all, you need, make it your business to get in touch with Brother Aisha White Design. That area code 505-218-4218. You know he'd be doing his thing. All right? Um, uh, whatever he's doing, you know, it's, it's probably going to be in the outdoors. It's going to be in nature. And it's gonna be, you can get away from civilization, and it's going to be you, Israelites, getting together and honoring each other and the most high. So please check out uh, Brother Aisha White Design, area code 505 218 4218, all right? Um, as you can probably tell from my voice, I'm trying to get through these announcements kind of quick because, brothers and sisters, we got, uh, we, we got some information to go through today, right? We definitely have some information to go through today. Uh, so this is the part of the show where I like to offer our prayers for, for, for brothers and sisters and friends uh, and family um, that need a little extra prayer who are going, go, going through a little extra something. Uh, as we keep in mind, uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 29, that the Lord is far from the wicked, but he, is, he hears the prayer of the righteous. Um, we, from James chapter 5, verse 16, that we should confess our faults one to another, and that we should pray one for another, that we may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then from our, our beloved uh, teacher, elder uh, uh, St. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, he says, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So we want to be, try and make sure we're doing right by the most high as, as possible. We're studying. We're applying. We're, we're, we're actually doing what the scripture says. We're not just being forgetful hearers. We're actually doing what the word says. So that our prayers might be heard. As we're in these last days, we, we need all the help we can get from our Heavenly Father right, in, in heavenly places. Um, so with that, brothers and sisters, you can join me as I send this prayer up. Um, and if not, just get, get a list of the names that we're going over. Right? I ask you, please get a list of the names that we're going over that in your own private prayers. I know many, many families pray three times a day. Many brothers and sisters pray three times a day, or they just might pray at night. Please add these names to your list, your prayer list, um, for brothers and sisters that need a little help, brothers and sisters and friends that need help. So with that, uh, the Most High, in the name of Christ, please listen to us now, right now. Please send Michael and the holy angels to watch over, to bless, to heal, to strengthen, to help, to protect, to build up, and for you to give your continued long suffering and mercy. Um, and Father, we are reminded that in Numbers chapter six, verse twenty-four, you told you told um, the prophet Moses that the Lord shall bless thee and keep thee. And Numbers chapter six, verse twenty-four, that the Lord shall bless thee and keep thee. That the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Um, so, Father, we're asking that these things might be done for um, Bobby Dixon, 
Father. We, uh, we lift up in prayer uh, Sister Sierra Leakey, who is the daughter of, uh, of our brother da- David. Uh, we lift up to you, Father, um, Sister Abadiah, as well as her husband, Lachama, out there in Houston, Texas. Well, Father, we lift up unto you uh, Shaquat Gabar, uh, Priest Shaquat Gabar, out there in Houston. Brother, we lift up unto you uh, our brother, our friends, our family, Thalmor uh, Macha and his wife, Waradaya, and their family here in San Antonio. Father, we lift up unto you our friend, John Spann. Father, we lift up unto you uh, Miss Catherine, Ma Dukes, uh, the mother of uh, our beloved brother uh, and friend, uh, Tazapar. Father, we lift up unto you our friends Becky and Daryl and Carmen up there in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Father, I ask a, a prayer that you might also be with my in-laws, uh, the entire loved family, as, as my mother-in-law, Margaret, is now in hospice. And, um, Father, we, I just pray that you might strengthen the entire loved family uh, um, as, as, they're going, as we are going through this right now, Father. Please do with them and strengthen them and give them the comfort uh, of your scriptures, of your word, to understand and know what's going on, Father. Father, we lift up unto you the entire Coates family, the family of our brother Gabar Kula. Uh Father, we lift up unto you Kazakia and his family out there in Nova Virginia. We lift up unto you, Father, um, Anagashia. Uh, Father, we lift up unto you the brother Tahawan Mayam out there in Houston, Texas. We also lift up unto you, Father, brother um, Tahawan here in San Antonio, uh, West Beverly. Father, we come to you. And we ask that you might, we lift up your daughter, our friend, uh, Ayana, the wife of, of, our, uh, of our brother, of one Ayer. Father, we ask that you might watch over um, the daughter of our beloved brother, Tazafah, and his wife, um, Arakaya, their daughter, Cece. Father, we ask that you might watch over Aiza Lee, the daughter of brother, Gabakawa, and her mother, Anagashia. And Father, we lift up to you. Um, the child of our, of our, of our brother, uh, Banabad, and his beloved wife, Quadashaya, their daughter, Aliyah. Father, I lift up to you, um, uh, Tazapah and his whole family. And Father, I lift up to you, Brother uh, Kodashkabar here in San Antonio. Father, I lift up to you, our friend in Albuquerque, um, Yenawathan. Um, and he, as he's going through things with his brother basically coming back home to you, Father. Father, I lift, I lift up to you in prayer. Brother Gabaya Allah and his wife Ayasa are there in Florida, along with their um, nieces and nephews, um, Cavante and Rihanna. Father, we lift up to you, um, uh, my Gabaya Allah's mother-in-law, Ruthie Mae Johnson. Father, we lift up to you, our brother Sankwadash and his wife Mariah, um, out there in Florida as well. Father, we listen to you, Brother LV, out there in California, who's dealing with, with eye problems, uh, who, who, who is in need of eye surgery, Father. We pray, we pray that you might be with him. And we listen to you also, Father Pat Washington, his mother, the mother of Brother LV. Father, we lift up to you our sister, Quadashaya, again, the wife of our brother and the teacher, Bonabad. We lift up, Father, our friend, Sean Stark. We also lift up to you, Father, our friend, Sylvia Khan. We lift up to you, Father, our brother, uh, our brother, our friend, the son of, of Gabar Kawah, uh, Shapar, out there in Albuquerque, and his brother Rashwan, and their sister Mariah, their sister Mariah. Father, we lift up to you, Brother Yama, who is currently in jail up there in, in, in Lubbock, 
County, in the Lubbock County Jail, Father, that you might be with him. And, Father, help us to give some, some relief uh, to him. Not only just the, with the comfort of the scriptures and in prayer, but we might be able to get some, some, uh, something on his books to help him endure what he's going through, his trial that he's going through there in the Lubbock County Jail. Father, we look forward to you, our friend, our brother, uh, Yasha Allah, out there in Gallup, who is the brother of, 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 of our brother, uh, Daniel Allah, out there in Gallup. And, Father, I look forward to you, my parents, Edelie Morris and, and my mother, uh, Bobby Louise Morris, there in Albuquerque, Father. Please be with them. Um, continue your, your, your long suffering and your mercy towards them, Father. And continue to be their guide, Father. And Father, we were reminded in Numbers 76, verse 27, that we should put that they should put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. So we ask these things, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, our King, um, who the world calls Jesus Christ, but in the name being Yahweh Shai, so we say Bahasham Yahweh Shai. Father, we thank you always. The water from Yah, Amen. All right, brother, sister. So get that, um, get that is you know out the way or whatever. But you know we're able to get, get that done. Who? Okay, brother, sisters. The birth of Christ, part fifteen. Idols of the Gentiles, beginning of spiritual fornication. Now, brother, sister, I've been going over this. Yeah, as you know, I did return, and thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, I did return for my trip. Uh, uh, from the Peace Tabernacles up there with the founders in Albuquerque, with the brother um, Aisha Wagazah, uh, the brother Zakar, Ayal, Kobe, uh, Yanawathan, Aha uh, 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 uh Barazal, uh, the brother Dawiyad, you know, it, it, um, and th- their families. It really was, was, was a great thing. And I really appreciate it. It was, it, it was re- literally a, a spiritual renewing uh, for my spirit, and I, I thank you for that, Father. Um, Getting into this, 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 continuing on with this topic about the birth of Christ, um, the true birth of Christ. All right, now we're dealing with, with um, uh, let, let me read the title again just to, just, 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 just to get it. Um, Idols of the Gentiles, beginning of spiritual fornication. Now, I want to apologize to everybody as, as, as I've sent the text thread out, and you might have caught it on, on Facebook, or you might have caught it at where I actually uh, test you directly. Uh, you, you'll see that that you've seen this title several times. Uh, so you might think it's it's, it's a. Uh, uh, I'm just losing my mind. <laughs> I promise you, um, I don't think I'm losing my mind. But like last week, um, Tuesday, I was going to start this Monday. I'm sorry, Monday I was going to start this class, but we wound up just doing a review, a, a, a basic uh, review of some of the things we've been going over. Um, uh, my absence. Uh, from the blog talk radio format, uh, we, we went over that on Tuesday, on Monday, on Monday, on Monday. Yesterday was talked about Tuesday. Uh, so come back today. Um, I did rename, uh, uh, retitled the class, the Book of Christ. And when you go into the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com, uh, um, I did change the name of, of Monday's class to uh, Welcome Back. All right. Um, as, as we were just coming back and, and, and kind of reviewing and recapping um, my time up in Albuquerque, right? Um, I, I, I'm not trying to take it personal that it, it was a vacation. As, as I'm hearing that from several, a vacation. 
um, it was still like my vacation. But anyway, anyway, you know, not, not, not to get all into that, whatever. I want to get into this class. Now, this class, brothers and sisters, there's a lot of information, a lot of reading we're going to have to get into. And we're going to understand about the idols of the Gentiles, uh, beginning of spiritual fornication. What we've been going over, brothers and sisters, is uh, in dealing with the birth of Christ. From the very beginning of the series, uh, you know, we, 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 we were covering the importance of making sure we stick to the scriptures uh, when we're dealing with, with Jesus Christ. And we want to make sure we stick to the scriptures and understand that the only scriptures that were available during the time of Christ is what we call today the Old Testament. Um, the, the prophets and the disciples, the apostles, they never called it the Old Testament or the New Testament. Um, those words didn't come into play until the Bible was translated into English. Right? The, the, all the scrolls and all the books being uh, compiled and gathered together, and the Bible not, um, was translated into English from the Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. That's when we get the Old Testament, New Testament, and the Apocrypha. But before that, it was, it was the writings and it was the scriptures. Um, we had the Torah, which was given to us by, by, by Moses. Uh, we had the writings. Uh, that would be um, uh, the prophets. Uh, the, the, we had minor prophets and major prophets. And then we had like the histories and, and stuff like that. Of what, what composes what we know today as, as the Old Testament. And let me slow down because I feel myself getting, getting, speaking kind of fast. Because there's so much information. And I want to make sure this gets out correctly. Because of our mental conditioning through religion here in, in, in the Americas, uh, since the age of discovery, since the discovery of America by, by Europeans, um, there's been a heavy conditioning of the minds about religion, about righteousness, about uh, about Jesus, about spirituality that is not based from a biblical text. It's not based on the word of God. It is really based on religion. And when you look at the word religion, the word religion comes from the Greek word religio, which means to hold back, keep down, and restrain. Now, when we read St. John chapter 8, verse, verse uh, 32, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, tells us that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And one of the things that, we, that we're to be made free from is the conditioning that we've been under in receiving religion. Whatever re Christian religion it might, might, that we might have been conditioned to, be it Protestantism, be it Catholicism, may it be uh, being Methodist, Episcopalian, Seventh-day Adventist, whether it be Jehovah Witness, whether it be Mormon, whether it be uh, um, non-denominational, that all these religions, um, uh, uh, Mormon, are man-made, which have been, have been designed to hold us back, keep us down, and restrain us from the truth of God's word and from God's word, right? That we've been under heavy conditioning, but we have not really been receiving the word of God. Now, when we go to the book of Amos, let me pull that up real quick. Uh, I keep saying in all my souls, I'm gonna keep saying, I'm gonna stop saying real quick. I need to get out of that habit. I need to get out of that. I really do because it's not gonna be quick. Because it's not gonna be quick. Um, as I plug in my phone, let me unplug it before. 
It just restarts. We're going to, the book of Amos, chapter 8, and verse 11. This was a prophecy that the Lord God had given to, to Amos uh, concerning things that were concerning the future. That's what a prophecy is. All right, so from the time uh, that Amos wrote this, it was a prophecy that was going to take place in the future from Amos's time where he was actually standing at. And we can now look back in history and see where this took place. But I'm going to read this. In Amos chapter 8, verse 11, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now, we can look and see that from the age of uh, the conquest of the Americas, but we know that that is in the Americas, North, North, Central, and South America. But we look at the, the prophecies that were given to us in Genesis chapter 49 and Deuteronomy chapter 33 uh, and Deuteronomy chapter 28, <coughs> that although the Israelites have been scattered to the four corners of the earth as part of our punishment for not keeping God's laws, and we're not keeping God's commandments uh, that, that were given to us in that 40-year um, uh, journey through the wilderness uh, by the hand of uh, God's servant Moses, that part of the consequences uh, that was going to incur or happen to the Israelites for our disobedience, for our stubbornness, and for our, our, our rebellion and whoredoms would be that we would be scattered to the four corners of the earth. But in that, it also tells us that we would also come to Babylon the Great. Uh, what the, what the uh, New Testament calls Babylon the Great, which happens to be here in the Americas, where you can find the 12 tribes of Israel, parts of the 12 tribes of Israel here in this great big melting pot called America, particularly North America. And if we consider this and we, and we look at this, that since we've been here in the Americas, we have not been hearing the word of God. There's been a famine of the word of God. How do you understand this to be true? Look at how many different religions there are, Christian religions that, that there are in, in America today. At last count, there was over 41,000 different Christian religions. Now, we know there's only one Bible. There's only one book, only one word of God. But how is it now we have over 41,000 different Christian religions? Because we've not been getting the word of God. We've been getting religion. We've been getting man-made doctrines, philosophies, um, understandings, and opinions. We have not been getting the word of God. For example, we, uh, for as much as the, 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 the two of the major Christian holidays that are celebrated by Christians is Christmas and Easter. When we read the Bible, Christmas is nowhere in the Bible. The word Christmas is nowhere in the Bible. And nowhere in the Bible does it ever relate or even suggest that Jesus Christ was born uh, December 25th in the dead of winter. Nowhere in the Bible, when we actually read the word, does it ever suggest that. Nowhere in the Bible do you ever actually read about the nativity scene. Um, but we've been talking about, and, and there was never no, when, when, it, when the, Wise, the company of wise men got to Mary and, and, and Joseph 
and they met him in the house, not in the barn, where 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 we've been led to believe that, that that's how it was done. Um, there was not a tree set up that the, the the wise men got to Jerusalem, went to a barn. There was a tree there, and if and the stars sat on top of this tree. And that's how I know where Christ was at. That that is not recorded anywhere in the Bible at all. But yet, Christmas is one of the major uh, Christian holidays, so-called Christian holidays in the world today. The other major Christian holiday is, is Easter which has an association with rabbits. Now, Easter is supposed to represent the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead after three days and three nights. Nowhere in the Bible is, is that recorded that there was a rabbit that started laying eggs. Now, the word Easter is in the Bible, but when you actually do research, Easter was actually a pagan festival during the springtime. It was actually a spring festival during the springtime uh, 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 relating to the fertility god Astarte or Easter uh, in, in regarding um, the springtime, which happened to take place around the time of the Hebrew-Israelite Passover. But as far as the disciples ever coming back, you never read about them ever honoring or celebrating an event called Easter. You never read about them establishing uh, that is going to be an event called Easter where there's going to be uh, different colored eggs and a rabbit, um, and that's supposed to be associated with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You never read about that in the Bible, but it's been passed on by traditions and customs that that's, how, that, that's what proper Christians do. But we've never read that to understand if, if that's right or not. So there's been a famine of us actually hearing the word of God. Um, you know, during Christmas, we, we, we obviously read the Christmas ham. Uh, swine, according to God's word, is an unclean animal. There's no way God would associate the birth of his son, the savior, of, of, of the savior with some unclean and defiled. There's no way, and speaking of things unclean and defiled, we read in the scriptures where God gave the rainbow as a sign of life, that he would never flood the whole entire earth with water ever again for the wickedness and imagination of men, of people. But yet we look today, and now it's, it's, it's the, the symbol of the LGBTQ community. Why, how can something that's supposed to be a sign of life be now be used as a sign of death. And when I say death, two same-sex couples cannot get impregnated. You can't be fruitful and multiply without the aid of, 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 of a surrogate or, or maybe in vitro injection. It just can't happen. As I was listening to Brother Mike Oliver, shout out to Brother Mike Oliver up there in, in, uh, from the Fountain of Wisdom up there in Dallas, that If everybody in the world today turned to the alphabet community and started living that lifestyle, life on earth as far as human beings would, would, would cease to exist in 120 years. That's a remarkable fact. So how could that be something that God would be with? Every living organism 
on the planet lives to reproduce. Every living cell on the planet lives to reproduce. To be, and we're not asexual creatures. So this is some of these things. There's been a famine of us in the word of God. And we take that into consideration. And then we also look at now the birth of Jesus Christ. And how, how, what we've been conditioned to believe, how Jesus Christ came on the earth. What we've been doing in, this, in, our, in our study of this topic is going back and establishing from the very beginning uh, in the book of Genesis chapter 10, that there was a, a great conqueror by the name of Nimrod. Um, and it, it, from Genesis chapter 10, like from, from verses 6 to like 11, that's all you read about Nimrod. And this is after the flood, we read about Nimrod coming on the scene. And he established the first kingdom by conquering, called the kingdom of, of, of Babel. Uh, he had several other kingdoms when he conquered the Assyrians also, and it became world empires, and they, they dominated and conquered people and forced them into their theology, forced them into their doctrines and into, into their religion at the time. Um, and that was from that place where all people gathered together and uh, following the doctrines and the, the, the religion of this, this man, Nimrod, that the Lord came down and saw this, and that's when the Lord divided all the, the languages on the earth, whether the Tower of Babel. And that's why we get the word uh, Babel made in confusion. That even when a baby is talking and you can't understand them, they call it Babel. Or even when, when somebody is just a, a babbling idiot, a babbling fool, you're babbling, that you're making no sense. That goes back to the Tower of Babel where the Lord confounded the languages. So we've been doing our research on who this guy Nimrod might be and that through societies from, throughout the, from, from the beginning of time, uh, recorded time, that societies have, have, have uh, displayed and recorded a legend or a hero uh, that describes the actions of Nimrod. Um, and that this is actually where from his folklore and from his legend and from the things he did um, and from him marrying his, 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 uh, uh, his powerful uh, wife, Queen uh, Ceramicus, uh, who historically is named uh, Samurat, that upon his death, in order to maintain power of the realm, of the kingdom, of the empire that they had built, uh, Samaritus then claimed that she was now impregnated by her dead husband and that her son was the spirit of her dead husband now being come back. And she gave birth to a divine child named Tammuz. Um, and that their legend has, that legend has gone through every society on the planet Earth under different names. And that's what the past 14 parts of this series of things that we've been covering. In detail, you want to go check those things out. All right? So as we come now, and we're getting to, the, to, to this part now, I won't take too much time with, this, with, with, with the recap, that all the way up to the Greco-Roman Empire, um, this legend of, of Nimrod and his wife, Ceramicus, and their, their divine child that was born through supernatural means, Tammuz had different names. 
and that ceramicists, in order, to, again, to keep the power and dominion during the time of the, of the, the Babylonian Assyrian Empire uh, and come up with, with this legend, this, this folklore, that over the centuries and over different societies, she's had different names, as well as um, Astoreth, Astarte, Easter, Aphrodite, uh, Venus, Ishtar, uh, Inanna, um, Gaia, Kali, um, that all these entities, these goddesses, all trace back to the original ceramicists or Samomorats, okay? So that all these, all these pagan religions go back to that origin. Nimrod, his wife, Ceramicist, and their supposedly divine son, Tammuz. All right? So with that, again, the title of our show being, let me pull it up one more time, being the birth of Christ, prophet team, idols of the Gentiles, beginning of spiritual fornication. All right? So let me go ahead and pull this up now. So we're now, we're going to the Apocrypha. We're going to the Apocrypha. We're going to Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 14. We're going to start verse 8. And we're going to read through 14. So we're in the, in the, the Apocrypha, the Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 14, starting verse 8. And it says, But that which is made with hands is cursed, as well as he that hath made it. He, because he made it, and it, because being corruptible, it was called God. So over the centuries and over time, men, people make things, and they want to be so proud of their achievements, of their accomplishments, that there's, there, there, there's a, a, they make too much of it. They make too much of it. That will, like with Nimrod, he did things and promoted and his empire for people to make a name for themselves, for people to become giants of industry, just like what was going on before the flood. And I'm, I don't want to recap all that. We've, we've gone over that in the series. I'm not trying to keep extending this. But his whole mentality was you have to make a name for yourself. And that was the mentality of, of the people before the flood, that they became giants. And they built great monuments. They, they, they built great, great halls. They built great structures to be held in remembrance, that their name might live forever. And again, we cover that in, 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 in past series. You're going to go check them out, again, at www.blogtalkradio.com. Uh, go to the search box, type in Mashaba, M-A-S-H-A-H-B-A. And you can start just find the beginning of, of the series where it says um, the true birth of Christ. We've covered it. We've we, we, we gone over it, okay? But for all these things that men get so caught up into in their own accomplishments, that it was their own will, their own ingenuity, their own wisdom, and the sentimental attachments attached to their accomplishments, they make it a God. They, they attach such a superstition and such an emotional attachment to their accomplishments, it becomes a God that's made by their own hands. All right? So this is what Wisdom of Solomon is, is trying to give us some understanding about. I'm going to read again. So Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 14, Solomon, verse 8. But that which is made with, with hands is cursed, 
as well it as he that has made it. He, because he made it, and it, because being corruptible, it was called God. People attach so much sentimental uh, uh, value to things that they put together, their own accomplishments, things they've made. To lose these things, a person has lost their identity. Literally, they've lost their mind. And they put so much effort, um, struggle. We, 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 the, you know, a classic story um, that, 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 that is told in neighborhoods across America is the superstar athlete. The superstar athlete that from, from, from a youth, he was a, a star football player. Uh, he, he might have been on the football team, the track team, the basketball team, and baseball team. Just, just, just a supreme athlete. Uh, reading comprehension pretty much sucks, but he was just a supreme athlete. And he put all, you know, he, that, that athletics was going to be his key, his ticket to getting out of the, out of the ghetto, out of the hood, uh, going to get his mom the big house, uh, the, the big cars, and he's going to live the life. Just give you know, that, that good, wholesome American dream type of situation. Um, and they put so much into their own abilities as athletes and their own self-determination and their own self-will um, and their own hard work and being dedicated to what they love and the sentimental value they attach to it. And as they get the scholarship offers from 15, 16, 17 different um, uh, universities, all Ivy League or, or what have you, just get for, for athletics, that, that last, second to last high school game, they tear the ACL. They rip a, the menis, a meniscus. Career over. And the, the, the letdown, the depression that they get into, that they cannot continue as football players. They can, cannot continue in that particular sport. That they put so much hope and so much uh, of their life and so much dedication and so much um, of their will that now that, it's, that these things have come to an end, and that's been their whole identity, that now they got nowhere to turn. Now they have nowhere to turn. And putting so much into that. None of that energy being actually put into the things that please the most high in the, the study of God's word, but their own determination, their, following their own, their own dreams, following their own heart, following the, the, the um, uh, not letting anybody put, put a ceiling on them, that they're going to they're gonna shoot for the stars. They're going to make a name for themselves. And it's in that, brothers and sisters, they corrupt themselves. It's about them and how the, the, the riches and the lifestyle they can see themselves living. The, the stardom, the celebrity, the, the paparazzi that they was going to be, be, be surrounded by, the wealth that they was going to have access to, the luxuries that they was going to be able to enjoy. Now that's gone. Now that's done. And that's what has them corrupted. It's not that we, we as Israelites are, are rejoicing and understanding that we're the Israelites and that God has a purpose for us. It'd be from our own man-made uh, assumptions of what we feel we should be doing, what our dreams and aspirations are, what we want to get done from our own hard work and haven't really asked God at all, why did you make me? What did you want from me? So reading on, Wisdom of Solomon chapter 14, verse 9. 
for the ungodly and his ungodliness are both alike, hateful unto God. Now, remember, um, I'm not going to go here, but in Psalms chapter 10, I believe it's verse 8, it tells you how God defines somebody who's wicked. God is not at all in the wicked person's thoughts. That's what makes a person wicked. Can you give me an example? Um, to, 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 uh, to rip the head off of, of a cat and drink the blood, that would be considered something wicked in, 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 in this American society. That would be considered something wicked. But why, was that, why would God call that wicked? Because God created the animal. And then God says not to drink the blood, not to, not, not to eat anything with the blood in it. But for a person to do something like that, because that's just their own, uh, their own thought that came to them, their own imagination that came to them, it's something they just wanted to try, curiosity uh, uh, is why they killed the cat, uh, pun intended, that um, they'll do these actions and not think about what God's laws, rules, commandments, boundaries might even be. It's just whatever comes to your mind. If it feels good, do it. Don't, have, don't let nobody tell you no. As long as you ain't hurt, hurting nobody, if they can't take a joke, and if it's something you want to do, then just do it. For the most part, it's not in a person's thoughts. That's what makes a person ungodly. That's what makes their behavior and their action and things they do ungodly or wicked. There's no thought about what WWJD. There's no thought about what would Jesus do. So, reading on. Um, verse 11. Therefore, even upon the idols of the Gentiles should there be a visitation. That the things that the, the Gentiles and the nations that people make and put a, 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 a value upon, uh, they, they put a, um, uh, an estimation on, to, and they, uh, they put such an, a, a sentimental attachment to something that God said there's going to be a visitation. He's going to visit them. It says, because in the creature of God, they have become an abomination and stumbling blocks to the souls of men. That the idols of the Gentiles, all these things that are man-made that people make and, and believe in, hold on to, and, and trust in, and get superstitious about, God's going to visit all that because it, it, it's an, become an abomination and stumbling blocks unto the souls of men. It makes people stumble and trip at what God wants done. It makes a person tri trip in their soul, in their heart. That's why some of you talk about, I'm so heartbroken. I put my, all my hopes and dreams into this. And I'm just heartbroken. I can't go on. You stumbled. A person got like that because they're, they're stumbling. Reading on. And they snare to the, to the feet of the unwise. Verse 12. Wisdom of Psalm chapter 14, verse 12. For the devising of idols was the beginning of spiritual fornication. And the invention of them, the corruption of life. Did we catch this? Wisdom of Solomon chapter 14, verse 12. For the devising of idols was the beginning of spiritual fornication. And the invention of them, the corruption of life. 
Verse 13. For neither were they from the beginning, neither shall they be forever. For by the vain glory of men, they enter into the world, and therefore shall they come shortly to an end. You have to that where idols come from, from vain glory of men. I don't care if it's American Idol. I don't care if it's America Got Talent. I don't care if it's the gong show going all the way back, you know, uh, to when I was, uh, I was a teenager, to talent shows or whatever. All these, the, the logic of these things is, for verse 14, for by, for by the vain glory of men, they entered into the world. And therefore, so they come shortly to an end. That the things that we, that we treasure and, and put a value on and put that sentimental attachment to, that wasn't there from the beginning when God made everything and said it was good. It was through our pride. And the attachment we put to, this is what I'm doing. I mean, brother and sister, we can go back and look. Ain't that what Cain did from the very beginning? Didn't Cain put a, a, a sentimental value on what his offering was to God? And God told him, it's not the right offering. You're not bringing the right thing. But Cain was so, got so mad, envious, and jealous that what he found valuable, what he found sentimental, what he found treasuring, that God didn't accept that Cain killed his own brother Abel. And all Abel did was bring what God wanted in order to be accepted. And I... This is the beginning of spiritual fornication. Right? The devising of idols is the beginning of spiritual fornication. Now, I know we hear that word fornication, and we're going to dive into this a little bit, okay? I know we're hearing that word fornication, and we're going to dive into this word a little bit. Right? Cause it, a lot of us have, from the conditioning of the world, through, from church to religion, that we have this understanding that fornication is um, sex before marriage. That's what a lot of people who might have been in the church um, have been taught to believe that um, sex is, uh, sex before marriage is fornication. Well, that's what you might have learned from church. That's what you might have learned from religion. But let's, let's, let's get a biblical definition, God's definition of what he calls fornication, especially when now he's talking about this spiritual fornication. Okay. For that, we're going to have to go and get now some scriptures in the Bible, in the Word of God, about fornication, all right? Um, if we want to learn about a person, we have to hang around that person to see, like, like, like for those who might have had, had children, and you, they only help raise your child from, from infancy. As a good parent, don't you have to become attentive to the cries and grunts of, of, of that infant. To understand what the, what the different cries mean, don't you have to be attentive to that child? To know that when that type of cry means he's hungry. You know, that cry right there, no, it's, it's, it's distinct from that first cry, this one means he has a wet diaper. Okay, now this cry means he's irritated. Something is bothering, something is hurting him. This cry is, he just wants some attention. This, this cry is not even a cry. He's trying to talk. He's trying to interact. 
You have to be attentive to that child to understand what 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 what, what the child's trying to communicate. Now, I'm giving this example because we, we do that with children. We do that with our, with our, with our kids if, if, we, if we give it down. But we have to hang around that child to become aware of how that child's trying to communicate. But we don't use the same type of attention when it comes to using the Bible and understanding where God is coming from. That why did God have this written and put in the Bible? Why did God have these things written? And now if we were to understand right, about fornication, are we going to read just one scripture and now I understand everything God's talking about when he says fornication by just reading one scripture? Wouldn't it be better or I'd be, help, I'd be a better student, like I'd be a better parent if I become accustomed to the, 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 the attitudes and the, and the things of, of my son, of, my, of a child? Wouldn't it be beneficial for me to do the same thing with, the, with God? Wouldn't it be beneficial for me to go ahead now and, and, and get a compilation of when he used the word fornication and the different context and different means, uh, the different ways he uses the word fornication? If I want to start to get an understanding about where he's coming from, if I want to get an understanding about what he's trying to communicate, but see, because of the condition that we received from being here in the Americas, from the age of conquest, from the age of the, from since the so-called since the Europeans came to the Americas and gave us the man-made religions that we go by for the past 400 years, over 400 years, that concept doesn't become uh, obvious to us. We are oblivious to that whole concept. So let's let's and let's remember Isaiah chapter. Let me do. Let me get, let me get two scriptures, brothers and sisters. Let me get two scriptures. Everybody, continue on. Let's go to Psalms. As I pull up here on my computer, let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter 119, which, by the way, as many of you already know, is the longest actual chapter in the Bible. And verse 104. Now, this is David, who, who, you know, is a man to God's own heart, according to what's written in the New Testament, Acts 13, chapter. This is what David has to say in Psalm 119, verse 104. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. If we want to understand God, David has given us to uh, borrow a word from, from my brother, I should write this out there in Albuquerque, doing a great job. It's turnkey. This here is turnkey, that if you, turn, if you use this key and turn it, it's going to unlock something. It's going to work. Through that precepts, plural, I get understanding. Through the precepts. Now, according to my brother Zaka War, who, who currently is in, in Georgia, uh, you know, we started down with him in, in Miami back in 96, I believe it was. Um, precepts doesn't mean scripture, it means commands, orders, or instructions. So it says, through that precepts, through that commands, through that order, through that instructions, I get understanding. I mean, we had to put the instructions, the words, 
the, the, which is the scriptures in order to get understanding. In order to get God's understanding. I can't just get one precept and think I, I understand God. How ridiculous is that? You can't hear one cry from a child and you understand what that child's talking about, what that child's going through. You understand the child. That, that, that doesn't work that way, brother. I mean, come on now. Through thy precepts, plural, I get understanding. So if we want to get God's understanding, we've got to put the precepts together. But how are these precepts put together? Let's go to Isaiah, chapter 28. Many already know where we're going. Many already know. This is for those who just need the review. All right? This is for those who just need that review. Isaiah, chapter, chapter 28. Uh, Verse 9, Isaiah chapter 20, verse 9, it reads, Whom shall he teach knowledge? That he is talking about the Most High. Whom is God going to teach his knowledge to? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? The answer is those that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. If we really want to get God's knowledge and his understanding, we have to be weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Now he's going to give me, He is going to explain it himself what he means by that. Verse ten: For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. I, I didn't make it a, 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 an error, and I'm, 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 in this time, I'm not being dyslexic. He's telling us if you want to get God's knowledge, if you want to understand God. Precept must be upon precept. I've got to put the commands, the instructions together, precept upon precept, precept upon precept. If I really want to know God, you know what knowledge, the root word of knowledge, if I want to know God, if I want to understand God, I've got to put his commands, his orders, his scriptures, his word together in order. So maybe to understand precepts, cool. He tries to make it more simple. Line upon line, line upon line. I got to put the lines of God's words together in the right line. It's like a puzzle. If I want to see the big picture, line upon line, line upon line. It might be what we call today a scripture from the Old Testament. I got to put together with a scripture from the New Testament, which might have to go with a scripture in the Apocrypha. Like the word we're going to be dealing with, fornication. I'm about to go precept where this command talks about, or this command of this scripture talks about fornication. Precept must be about precept. I got to put that together with another line, another order, another instruction about fornication. If I want to get God's understanding about fornication, I got to put this line that deals with fornication together with this line of scripture. That deals with fornication. Line upon line, line upon line. Then he tries to make it real simple. Real, um, real element. Um, what, what do they call that? Um, uh, 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 make it real elementary. Elementary, my dear Watson. 
here a little and there a little. I'm going to get a little bit when he talks about, about, as we deal with today, fornication. When he talks about fornication over here, then I'm going to go over here and get a little bit more about when he talks about fornication. But when we really start to understand or know what God is talking about when he says these things. I kind of hope that makes sense. I think it does, but I kind of hope that what, what, what we just went through, I kind of hope that makes sense. All right? So with that, let's go to the book of Acts. As we're dealing with fornication, they say, idols is the beginning of spiritual fornication. Now, the devising of idols from Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 14, and verse 13 and 14. I'm sorry, verse 12. Verse 12. For the devising of idols was the beginning of spiritual fornication. And the invention of them, the corruption of life. Okay? Spiritual fornication. Idols, idols of the Gentiles, things that the Gentiles hold near and dear that are man-made by the Gentiles, man-made by the nations, man-made by people who don't make God important, the God of the Bible, who don't know the God of the Bible, right? So let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 21, 21 verse 25. Now, as I was putting this, these scriptures together, I want to go back and like, read the whole chapters and give the background, but I can't. Well, I, I can, but that's going to take way too long. I, I, I kind of want to, you know, there's some points I want to hit up today. So we're going to just try, try and be a little bit more laser accurate, with a little bit more pinpoint of just going over some of these scriptures, okay? So in Acts chapter 21, verse 25, it says, As touching the Gentiles which believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangles and from fornication. Now, this here, like I said, I, I, the point I want to get to is a decree in one of the councils that the apostles and elders came up with uh, during, at this particular time in the book of Acts. It was dealing with the Gentiles who, her, who were coming back to the nationality and coming back to the true worship of Christ, all right, uh, being Israelites. And as y'all know, if you don't know by now, the Brother Tazapah is covering all this now on his Tazapah Tuesdays, the Never Watch Pale series. I dare one of y'all to go back to where he first started Never Wax Pale. I dare you. <laughs> and start from the beginning. If you don't understand about Gentiles, if you want a complete, thorough um, uh, breakdown about Gentiles, that so that you know that you know that you know, log on to www.blogtalkradio.com. Go to the search box, type in Mashaba, M-A-S-H-A-H-B-A. Go there because you got to go back quite a, quite a, quite a distance from when he first started this series. And when when you get to the search box and it pulls up my our episodes, you can put another. Uh, search in for Never Wax Fail. And let it take you to the very beginning when he first started this series. And if you walk your, if you walk your way up through, through that, there's no way you won't have a biblical understanding, a God's understanding of, of, about what Gentiles are, who they are, and what's going on. There's no way that you won't get it. 
you can might not refuse it, but it's there. Right? It is there. So, and then with these Gentiles that were now coming back to the nationality and repenting for the evils that they were doing and coming back to them being Israelites and being scattered abroad to the other nations and learning the ways of the other nations very heavily and being imprinted upon them, similar to how we've been here in the Americas and the American way of life imprinted upon us. It now says, again, Acts chapter 20, verse 25, as such as the Gentiles which believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such things. Because there was a, a, a big stir among the Jews and Israelites that knew they were Israelites, that these uh, converts, these brothers and sisters that were now coming back to their nationality, that they had to be circumcised. And they made a real big stir about that. They made a real big issue about that. So the elders here at Jerusalem at the time, so now we're not, we're not, we've, we've kind of dealt with this before, with, with, with this issue. We've already concluded. We already sent out letters and everything. The only thing we're saying for those women, sisters, and those families that are now coming back to the nationality is that um, that they keep themselves from things offered to idols. They keep themselves from eating blood and from strangled food and from fornication. These are some very heavy things, and we're going to, this one I want to try and get into it with this class, what this means. And you might be wondering, how does any of this going to relate to the original birth of Christ, the true birth of Christ. Well, we're going to find out. All right, we're going to find out. I'm going to put these pieces together. All right? From there, brothers and sisters, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. We're dealing with, with, our, with our teacher, Paul, right, who happens to be at the city of Corinth. All right? Who happens to be at the city of Corinth. Now, it says, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. So for brothers and sisters that grew up in Corinth, similar to how our people grew up here in America, learning all the, the heathen, devilish, satanic ways of America that go against the Bible, that go against God, like Easter, Christmas, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Thanksgiving, uh, St. Patrick's Day, uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, birthdays, that we learn all these dumb things that the Gentiles, the nations do, that's never about God, that wasn't there from when God, from the beginning with God, and is not going to continue with God? Well, the same thing was going on in Corinth. The same thing was going on in Asia. The same type of mentality. That there were a lot of things that we learned from being among the Gentiles that had us being led away with dumb idols. That had, that had us following and, and, and reverencing and worshiping and following the, the traditions and following the customs of people who don't know God. We were following their idols. We were following, following the things that they were doing. What we're going to find out is why the elders and why the, 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 why the elders at Jerusalem said, look, for those just coming back into the knowledge and everything, all we're going to say for right now is that they keep themselves from things offered unto idols and from blood and from strangled food and from fornication. That was Acts chapter 21, verse 25. So Paul's addressing these same type of individuals here at Corinth. But, it, it, you know, from Corinth to Ephesus to all over Asia, there was a lot of this type of thing going on. Following the Gentiles, 
following the nations, following the heathen, following the pagans, uh, and uh, offering, them th- offering things unto idols, eating blood, things that were strangled, and from fornication. I ain't forgot about fornication, y'all. I ain't forgot about that. All right? Let's jump back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and go to verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. And it says, now this is what I want to get into about as we're going to deal with this fornication. From what we've been conditioned to believe that fornication is, is having sex before you're married. But we're going, to, we're going to get into this, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1. Remember, this is Paul addressing families of Israelites that were following the ways of the Gentiles, led away by the idols and the customs and the traditions of the Gentiles. All right, and they were committing fornication. Now, First Corinthians chapter five, verse one. First Corinthians chapter five, verse one. It says, "It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife." There were Israelites in Corinth that were repenting and coming back to the nationality and coming back to the true worship of, of the Most High and believing in Christ, but grew up practicing fornication that one should have his father's wife. Jiminy Crickets. This was a custom that was heavy in, in Corinth. Right? This is a custom that was heavy in Corinth. With that, let me let me now use a, a, a make sure I'm doing this right. Um, let me read, let me read on. From First Corinthians chapter five verse one, I hope we kind of take note that some of the fornication that was being heavily practiced in Corinth was that there was wife swapping going on. There was mom swapping going on. There were mother efforts. <laughs> in Corinth, right, in the city of Corinth. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 13. First Corinthians now chapter 6 and verse 13. And Paul's having, having, having to exhort these Israelites that were now coming back to the nationality, coming back to the truth, coming back to the true worship of God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he's having to give them these, these teachings, these warnings. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Now remember what the apostles said, in Acts chapter 21, that these Gentiles are now coming back, that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. We got an example from 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 of some of the fornication that was taking place in Corinth, in Asia. Incest. I mean, I mean I'm going to leave it at that. Incest. Then Paul is coming back and talking about meats for the belly and, and uh, the belly for meats. But God said destroy both it and them. We're going to get into some of the other customs of the heathen, of the Gentiles, 
was the meat they ate and how they ate it. That a lot of the meat they ate, it was meat offered unto idols. And we're going to find out that the way that they ate this meat literally was savage. It literally was savage. That in, in, in these idols and the customs and traditions of the Gentiles, there'd be so many drunken festivities where they would get so inebriated and so drunk that they would literally just, I mean, they would go to town. They would literally take animals. They get animals in like, in like a, 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 a pen. And these people would be so drunk and inebriated and out their mind, they literally would take animals and rip them to shreds alive and eat them raw. The epitome of what you might call a smorgasbord. Because they would be so twisted, so inebriated, so drunk. I'm going to get into it. I don't want to get too much of it away. I don't want to get too much of it away. But we're going to get into this. All right. First Corinthians chapter six, now verse eighteen. Paul is again giving an exhortation and the encouragement. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. That just things people were doing with fornication that was against even I mean your body's own natural instinct. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse two. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, not to avoid fornication, like some of the things that, that was going on as far as a man sitting with his dad's woman, his dad's wife. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. Why is this having to be said? That this is how you flee fornication. When we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8, it says, Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. I'm gonna come back to this one. I'm gonna come back to this. All right? I'm, I'm gonna come back to this. What I'm gonna do is I'll, I did some you know, do some research. What was going on at the city of Corinth that this had to be said? That this whole letter had to be written. All right. Um This here is an article I pulled up. It's Ancient Corinth, uh, part one, Gods and Goddesses. Ancient Corinth, Gods and Goddesses. And you can look it up. All right, you can look it up. Ancient Corinth, Gods and Goddesses. It's an article that was put together by, by a historian, okay? Uh, on February 16, 2018, Ancient Corinth. Now, remember what Paul was telling us about you know, some of the warnings, what the elders had said about the Gentiles that, were, that had been out there doing, doing, practicing the, the traditions, the customs, the ways of what the Greco-Roman society at Corinth and Ephesus uh, was practicing. Then now y'all coming back into the truth, and, and it's time to learn the most high and learn what's right and what's wrong. Look, we're going to just tell y'all to... to, to Stop from these things, because remember, you got Moses that's reading this in, in the Sabbath, 
in the synagogue every Sabbath. Moses and the laws are read every Sabbath. So from us, all we're going to say is, keep from these things, but just keep coming to class. Keep coming to Sabbath. Keep, keep going to Sabbath and hearing and reading the Torah and getting yourselves right. But initially, just from us and getting started, this is all we're going to say. So what was happening at Corinth? What was going on at Corinth that it was such a thing about fornication? There was such a thing about uh, meats for the belly and, 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 and all this type of stuff that, that this was going down. Now, two, two shows ago, brothers and sisters, we, we covered Ephesus. And what was going on in Ephesus with, with the goddess Diana and the debauchery that was taking place and the temple prostitution that was happening at Ephesus. And Ephesus was the center of the goddess Diana worship throughout Asia, right, throughout Asia. We covered all that, and that's covered in Acts chapter 19, right? That's covered in Acts chapter 19. But now let's deal with the city of Corinth. Now, Paul had to give us two letters from the city of Corinth, right? Ancient Corinth, on the Peloponnesian Peninsula in Greece, is known primarily uh, to, uh, to moderns as one of the cities visited by St. Paul. And the setting of Paul's pair of letters to the Corinthians. First Corinthians is abbreviated, First Corinthians, and Second Corinthians is abbreviated, Second Corinthians. One of the most familiar passages of the Bible, in fact, is the love passage. Uh, first Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. A popular reading at weddings, all right? Uh, jumping down to a lot of this, uh, it says, Paul visited the city in 51 or 52 of the common era. So around 51, 52 CE or AD is when Paul visited Corinth, all right? That, that in visiting this, this city, what was going on that, that inspired him to have to write, this letter, write, write the letters that he wrote, okay? Around 51 to 52 CE or AD, all right? Um, jumping down, jumping down, jumping down. All right, cool. Check this out. Most of the archaeological evidence from the site dates to the Roman area, uh, era, allowing scholars to know what Paul his contemporaries, and his immediate descendants would have witnessed. So archaeology, archaeological evidence, is going to let us know what Paul was seeing, his contemporaries, um, and their immediate descendants, what was happening at Corinth. What did Paul see? What did his contemporaries see? And what did the immediate descendants, what did they witness in Corinth? All right? The site, including the forum, uh, houses temples to a number of deities. So at Corinth, especially at the Forum, there were houses and temples to a number of deities. Now we know a deity is a god, such as the god Apollo, the god Poseidon, the goddess Hera, the goddess Juno, and the goddess Athena. Now, brothers and sisters, in this series that we've been going over, I believe it was part 11 or 12, we were covering the different names of Ceramicus, the different names of Diana, and what their worship entailed, and what was happening at Ephesus with these things. 
So in Corinth, there was shrines and temples to the god Apollo, Poseidon, Hera, Juno, or Athena. And of all these, uh, particularly Hera, Juno, and Athena, these were all queens of heaven. Right? These were all known as queens of heaven in different societies. And the god Apollo and Poseidon, going back to sun gods, divine rulers and conquerors, going back to Nimrod and his legend. All right? So this was heavy in the city of Corinth when Paul got there in 51 to 52 CE, common era. It said that to Octavia, sister of Emperor Caesar Augustus, <coughs> various uh, civic monuments, the, the lake and the uh, Perrine fountains, baths, gymnasium, stoas, and basilicas. So all this was in going on at Corinth. It was a metropolis. It, Sin City. You know, I'm, I'm going to just throw it out there. Sin City. All right? Now, remember, gymnasium, Brother Tessa Park covered that. We've covered this also. Started with the Greeks, with the Israelites wanting to uh, uh, participate with the Greeks. Remember, the word gymnasium is two words. means to exercise naked. Remember, when you go look at the, the first Olympics, not the ones in America, the very first Olympics, the Olympic Games, remember, all, all those athletes were butt naked. Throwing the discus, the Greco-Roman wrestling, the, the, the hurdles, they did it all in the nude. I remember, um, Greek fashion was to wear what? A toga. For what? Easy access. So to be in the gym, being very narcissistic, being very about um, uh, into your looks, and being very um, and, 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 and sculpting and molding yourself into what your vision is, that started with the Greeks. In Rome, it was just as bad. And they had the baths, public baths, butt-ass naked. Yeah. This is happening in Corinth. All right. Uh, north of the city, the extent of Ascapilion, sanctuary to the healing god Ascopios. Sanctuary to the healing god Ascopios was found. All right. And on the, the slopes of the Acrocorinth, the city's Acropolis, the remains of several temples, the existence of a Jewish community at Corinth is also attested. The Jewish historian Philo, writing in 281 to 282 CE, mentions the Jewish uh, colonies in Corinth and most of the best parts of the Peloponnese. An inscription on a lintel reading Synagogue of the Hebrews, and an uh, artifact with a menorah uh, have been discovered in the excavations. So from when Paul was there, some, now, what, 20 years later, 20, 30 years later, um, Philo made mention about the Jewish, the Hebrew Israelite community that was established at Corinth in the midst of Sin City. All right? Uh, reading on. Now, now we're dealing with the gods and goddesses of ancient Corinth, right? Now we're going to go to the subtopic of 
the gods and goddesses of ancient Corinth. One aspect of ancient Corinth that has been has a bearing on the history of Christianity is the other deities worshipped there at the time of St. Paul. So something that had a major impact on Christianity is what what was being worshipped and what was being done at Corinth when Paul got there. What were some of the customs and some of the things in the worshipping of these other gods? Again, such as, but not limited to, such as Apollo, Poseidon, Hera, Juno, and Athena, which all have their roots going back to Nimrod and Ceramicus, fertility gods and goddesses, the queens of the queen of heaven. All right, let's check this out, y'all. Um, many of these deities were female. Something that may be uh, be less well known today. Repeatedly, there are also religious remains that provide ample evidence of the involvement of women in cultic activities. Uh-oh. We're going to find out that there was kind of like a women's liberation, like there's kind of like a women's lib thing going on at Corinth. Mm-mm. Uh-oh. There's so much I want to read here. I'm, I'm trying. Um, I got to read this. In addition to temples located in the Forum, as we just read earlier, a temple to Demeter and Cori was found on the northern slope of the Acro-Corinth. According to the Greek traveler, writer Pausanias, Pausanias a spring behind the Aphrodite temple on Acro-Corinth was linked to the Pierian uh, fountain. So there was a temple to Aphrodite that was linked to a fountain that was at Corinth. Also, statues of various female deities adorned the forum area, as mentioned above. Pausanias and archaeological uh, and archaeological remains attest to the existence in the form area of impressive uh, of impressive ones to the Ephesian Artemis to the goddess Nike, the goddess Taichi, and Aphrodite. The Ephesian Artemis is the same as the Ephesian goddess Diana, fertility goddess, love goddess. Goddess of nature, Mother Nature, Gaia. A colossal bronze statue of Athena, as well as to male gods Dionysus and Clarion Apollo. Woo! As well as the male gods Dionysus and Clarion. Dionysius. Dionysius. Let me keep reading. 
Traditional descriptions of Greco-Roman Corinth and earlier have stressed the importance of the male deities Poseidon, Apollo, Zeus, Helios, the sun god, Ascapios, Pan, and Dionysios. Commentators denote more text and photographs to these male deities than to female ones. No doubt, these gods were important to early Corinthians. But recent scholarship and new excavations have also shown that several goddesses were indeed prominent at Corinth through the early Christian era and into early Byzantine times. Um, I'm trying to decide, do I want to jump now? Yeah, let me jump here now. Now, at Corinth, it says, let me go back up here. Um, Traditional descriptions of Greco-Roman Corinth and earlier have stressed the importance of the male deities Poseidon, Apollo, Zeus, Helios the Sun, Ascapios, Pan, and Dionysus. No doubt these guys were important to early Corinthians. All right? Now, I'm going to hold that. Let's get, let's get some, I did some research about this cat Dionysus. I, I'm going to, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. So let, let, me, let me pull this up. All right, Dionysius from the New World Encyclopedia. Right? Again, I give you all this so y'all can look it up also so you can go and see it yourself. But it's a lot of reading. Right? It is a lot of reading. But um, Dionysius, D-I-O-N-Y-S-U-S, Dionysius uh, from the New World Encyclopedia.org, the New World Encyclopedia.org, all right? Um, reading about this cat. Now, remember, his worship was heavy at Corinth. Dionysus or Dionysios, um, associated with the Italic Libra, that's going to stand out in a minute, was the ancient Greek god of wine who represented the power of intoxication and ecstasy. Did you, this god, Dionysus or Dionysios, was the ancient Greek god of wine who represented the power of intoxication and ecstasy, literally being outside the self, meaning you get so drunk and so caught up in ecstasy, you'd be outside yourself. You have an out-of-body experience. Yet the things that you would experience by being so drunk, high, intoxicated by not only just wine, but whatever intoxicant that there was available, opium, um, uh, whatever other drug that was there, and the ecstasy that you could reach, the heights of pleasure you could reach would literally have you outside. You have an out-of-body experience. Reading on. This was heavily, this God was heavily worshipped in Corinth. Get so drunk, blame it on the al- 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 alcohol. 
I'm going to have one more drink and I'm going to take you home. Come on, y'all. He was known as the liberator. You know, we say the word libations, the liberator, let your inhibitions go. That whereas you might have a moral integrity, but once you get drunk, high, or twisted, you know, like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, you need to loosen up. You know, like a a a a a a a date rape drug that you get so out of your mind that that you know you know you know you know how everybody says this ain't really her. She ain't really like this. You know, like Hangover, the, the movies, those things that people do, you think it's just you blowing off steam? You think it's just you, you know, just, just, just again, blowing off steam? Just Girls just want to have fun? Friday night? Just got paid? You out doing your thing? You're in the club making it rain. You're going to forget about your problems. Those same rituals was how the goddess Dionysus, those were his rituals. Reading on, it says, she was known as the liberator, freeing one from one's normal self through drunkenness madness or artistic expression we're gonna find that this cat was the was the god also of thespians you know monster's supposed to be so liberal and so creative that 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 really uh are just liberal liberators be free free your mind and the rest will follow in vogue Free your mind, being inside the box. This was the whole thinking behind Dionysus and the heavy present and the heavy ritual and heavy customs and things he was doing had been, that was being done at Corinth were not done. Paradoxically, he was also viewed as the promoter of civilization a lawgiver, and a lover of peace. You don't like the hippie movement? Man, let's just smoke a bowl, man. Just have some peace. Man, you're too uptight, man. You're blowing my high. Make love, not war. You're so uptight. As well as the patron deity of agriculture and the theater. The divine mission of Dionysus was to bring an end to care and worry. Let it go. Let it go. Relax. to bring an end to care and worry. Free your mind. 
lose yourself? Ready on, y'all. I'm, I'm going to jump down. I'm not going to read all this. It's too much. I agree. I just have certain parts highlighted. He says he was now, damn. Um, and go through some of the history of, of Dionysus and his, his, his mythology, whatever. He's supposed to be the son of Zeus, where Zeus had impregnated a, a mortal woman. The god Zeus impregnated a mortal woman, and her son is Dionysus who wind up becoming a god. So the spirit of Zeus, the all-powerful, comes down and impregnates a mortal woman, and she has a divine child. Does this kind of sound familiar? That this all-powerful spirit impregnates a mortal woman and gives birth, gives birth to a divine child whose name might be Dionysus. You know, kind of like when Nimrod had married Ceramicus back in Babylon, and then when he died, in order to keep control of the empire, Ceramicus had to let everybody know that she was impregnated by her, her, dead, her, dead, her dead husband, by rays of the sun, and that when an evergreen tree grew up on a, on a tree stump on December 25th, his birthday, that that's how powerful his spirit was, and that gifts should be left to, to the tree, and that she was, the, the, she was in, uh, divinely impregnated by the spirit of her husband, and that the son that was born, Tammuz, was her husband come back and that the son was now divine because of the all-powerful spirit of her dead husband being so powerful, her dead husband's spirit impregnated her. Hmm. That has pagan roots. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now, in dealing with Dionysus, he says she was described as being womanly or man-womanish. I got to read, brothers, sisters, if we understand that this was some of the major worship that was going on at Corinth and in Asia at, at the time of Paul and the apostles, why do you think Paul said this? Let me go back to the scriptures now. I'm going to come right back here. I, I'm coming right back here. And we'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's put so many things together. Don't run for me now. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Again, in this same letter that Paul was writing to the Corinthians about the fornication they was doing, about the eating, uh, the, the meats and the stuff they was they was partaking in, the drunkenness and stuff that they was that they was giving themselves over to, First Corinthians chapter six verse nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. 
They were fornicators, no idolaters, no adulterers, no effeminate, no abusers of themselves with mankind. Is it, is it something else that these are all attributes of, of what the Dionysians worship, the, the idols of the Gentiles, the ways, the customs of what was going on in Corinth, that this is what Paul was addressing? That if you're a fornicator, you're into this thing where you, you like, you, 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 there's not a problem with you sleeping with your father's wife, and we're going to get, we're going to get more into that. And I can see this time is going quick, damn, it's going quick, that idolaters, the thing, worshiping the custom, the ways, and, and traditions, this whole thing of um, obey the laws of the land, I have yet to find that anywhere in the Bible. Paul is letting us know, letting us know, being deceived, neither fornicators, no idolaters, no adulterers, no effeminates. What do you find in the theater? What are thespians? No abusers of themselves of mankind. No thieves, no covetous, nor drunkards, no revelers, no extortioners shall enter the kingdom of God. Verse 11, as such were some of you, but ye were washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. That, yes, these Gentiles that were in Corinth did do these things, but they were coming back now to the true worship. And that's why now they were being sanctified and washed from these things to be justified. That they could be forgiven for partaking these things, not to continue in these things. Let me go back to my research paper. I pray I'm doing this in justice and, and, and everybody can read this when I'm reading this. Cool. Reading on. Um, no, I'm on, I'm on Dionysus. Not, not Corinthian. I'm still at Dionysus. No, we ain't finished with you. He was described as being, this is from the New World Encyclopedia. He was described as being womanly or man-womanish, and he was the god of who? The theater. Drunkenness, revelry, ecstasy, pleasure, having no cares and no worries. Jumping down. Other more colorful rites for the god of fertility include the Samian, Leonisus, and uh, Inchors, <laughs> meaning with balls, or perhaps in the testicles. In the reference to Zeus, sowing the babe Dionysus into his thigh. An example, his testicles. Dionysus is related with testicles. In addition, Dionysus was known as uh, Laius. He who releases... What, if, he's, if he's related to testicles, what do you think he's releasing? Dionysus was also known as Lysias, he who releases, as a god of relaxation. 
and freedom from worry. Come on, y'all. In the Greek pantheon, Dionysus, along with Zeus, absorbs the role of uh, Sabazios, a Phygrian deity, Phygrian deity, whose name means shatterer, and to whom shattered pottery was uh, sacrificed, probably to prevent the pottery from being broken during firing. In the Roman pantheon, Sabzeus became uh, an alternate for the name of Bacchus. Dionysius is related to Sabizus, who is an alternate name for Bacchus. Oh, we're going to get Bacchus. Dealing with the birth of Dionysus. His mother, uh, uh, Samil, who was a mortal woman, daughter of the Phoenician king, Cadmus, catches the eye of the notoriously philandering Zeus. So his human mother caught the eye of the philandering, all-powerful god Zeus, and Zeus gets this mortal woman who is a princess of a king pregnant. This is paganism, y'all. I'm jumping all the way down. When Dionysus reached adulthood, he discovered the culture of the vine and the mode of extracting its precious and intoxicating juices. But Hera, the goddess, struck him with madness and drove him forth a wanderer through various parts of the earth. In Phrygia, the goddess Sybil, better known to the Greeks as Rhea, cured him and taught him her religious rites and set out on uh, on a progress through Asia, teaching people to cultivate the fruits of the the vine. Such wanderings offer an etiological explanation of the God's relationship with Eastern cults that this guy Dionysus he had and that followed throughout all the east of Asia going all the way over to China and Japan even these rites about getting drunk in the rituals and the things that it, it, it took to partake in these type of things Let me jump down, grab me some of these things. I, th- I might have stopped right there. Okay. Some of the symbols of Dionysus that was evident at Corinth. The bull. Uh-oh. You know, the bull. Not bullshit, but the bull. What was it that the Israelites made when we came out of Egypt? When Moses went up onto the mountain for 40 days, 40 nights? You get the Ten Commandments, you get some commandments from the Father? particularly the Ten Commandments written in stone. What did Israelites give themselves over to coming out of Egypt? We made a golden bull, golden calf. Remember, Dionysus goes back to Nimrod and his worship, the bull being all-powerful and, and, and 
That's why, you know, even today, like even at Washington, called the bull market. Powerful. To take the take the uh, take the horn take the, the the bull by the horns. The symbol of Dionysus was the bull, also the serpent, and wine were the characteristic signs of Dionysus. Their presence in Greek art signified that the god was nearer. Dionysus was so strongly associated with the satyrs, centaurs, and Selene, he was often shown riding a leopard, wearing a leopard skin or being pulled by a chariot drawn by panthers and has been called the god of cats and savagery. He always carried a thyrus besides the grapevine and his wild barren alter ego, the toxic ivy plant. The fig was also sacred to him. The pine cone that uh, tipped his thyrus linked him to Sybil and the pomegranate linked him to Demeter. The cult of Dionysus. The Dionysia and uh, Linnea festivals in Athens were dedicated to Dionysus. Initiates worshipped him in the Dionysian mysteries, which were comparable and linked to the Orphic mysteries and may have influenced Gnosticism and early Christianity. His female followers are called maenads or mad women or uh, bacchanites. The God's rebirth in both versions of his origin story is the primary reason that he was worshipped in mystery religions, which explored the liminal, the liminal relationship between life and death as a matter of mystical reverence. In Athens and the Attica of the classical period, the main festivities were held in the month of Elipolion, uh, Eli, around the time of the spring equinox, where the greater or city Dionysia had evolved into a great drama festival. Dionysos having become the god of acting, music, and poetic inspiration, poetic inspiration for the Athenians, as well as an urban carnival or comos. His older precursor had been uh, demoted to the lesser of rural Dionysia. Through pre- pre- uh, though preserved more ancient customs centered on a celebration of the first wine, the festival was, was time to conclude with the clearing of the wine, a final stage in the fermentation process occurring in the first cold snap after the winter solstice. When it was declared Dionysos was reborn. This event was later explicitly set to January 6th, a day on which water was also turned to wine by Dionysos in a separate myth. The festivals at this time were much wilder too, as were the festivities of the grape harvest and its carnivalesque ritual processions from the vineyards to the wine press. Carnival like Carnival, like Mardi Gras. 
It's called Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras. It had nothing to do with Jesus Christ or 40 days of Lynch. That whole thing is going back to Dionysus, to being the God of pleasure, the God of being carefree, the God of just let it go, let yourself go. Just do it. It was at these times that uh, uh, initiations into the mysteries were probably originally held. In sharp contrast to the daytime festivities of the Athenian Dionysia, where the uh, biennial nocturnal rites of the Tristeria held on Mount Parnusus in the winter. The priests come out at night is basically what this is saying. These celebrated the emergence of Dionysos from the underworld with wild orgies in the mountains. The first day of which was presided over by the, the Maynots, you know, mad women, in their state of madness, in which an extreme uh, activistic state was achieved, during which animals were hunted. And in some lurid tales, even human beings, so they would get so drunk and have these orgies that then they would release animals. Sometimes they would release humans. Before being torn apart with bare hands and eaten raw. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all read that? They would get so drunk and twisted and high. Talk about the munchies. They would chase these and they have these orgies and reaching so much heights of ecstasy and pleasure. Then they would go and chase these animals and or humans and with their bare hands eat them raw. Thus being the infamous Sparagamos. said to have been once associated with goat sacrifice, making the harvesting and trampling of the wine. The second day saw the Bacchanic nymph in its thyatic uh, or raving state. Are y'all catching I, I, a, a rave? A rave. Getting so drunk, high off of ecstasy or whatever, and just going, just letting go. That whole thing goes back to Dionysus. This was heavy in Corinth. Brother says, remember, there's nothing under the sun. A state of more sensual and benign back in the. Bacchanal assisted by sadars, you know, music, though still or, or, orgiastic. The mythographers would explain this with claims that the mad women or wild women were the resistors of the Bactic urge, sent mad while the Tides or ravers had accepted the Dionysian ecstasy 
and kept their sanity. Did y'all catch that? Orgiastic? Um, I looked this up. I, I got it here somewhere. Okay, I might look it up. Um, these rites are thought to have influenced many uh, subsequent forms of religious expression from ancient to modern times. Are you hearing what was happening at Corinth that Paul had to address these type of things? That the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem had to put this decree out? That for the Gentiles, y'all come back in? Y'all can't give yourselves over to these things. Keep yourself from idols. Keep your things from the, the food off of the idols. Keep yourself from blood and things strangled and from fornication. When we look at uh, uh, orgiastic, I'm going to look that up real quick. I'm seeing my time is running out. This two hours went quick, and I was trying to get through this, this class. I got so much more to get into. Um, orgiastic, I got 11 minutes. No, I got one minute. Damn. All right, define E E E E F I. That's it right there. The medieval orgiastic. The medieval is relating or marked by orgies. The meaning of orgiastic is relating to or marked by orgies. So. I got 60 seconds, but I'm going to keep going just a little bit further. All right? A more sensual and uh, benign bacchanal assisted by sedors, though still orgiastic or marked with orgies. These rights throughout uh, thought to have influenced many subsequent forms of religious expression from ancient to modern times. Their most direct descendant was, of course, the Roman Bacchanalia, a festival characterized by legendary levels of excess as described by the Roman historian Livy. When conducted under Roman auspices, auspices, the festival had earlier been confined to women, but in the grove of stimuli, young men were being initiated into the cult. And there were allegations of both heterosexual and homosexual license. So previously restricted to three days a year, the ceremonies were now being conducted five times a month. Moreover, the proceedings were being held in darkness. Allegations of dire misconduct were circulating, including charges of murder of unwilling initiates forging out of wills of the dead and perjury. So brothers and sisters, I know my two hours have expired, but damn. And dealing with the fornication, I'm just, this is going to be a part 16, part two of this class. But hopefully I'm, I'm trying to shed some light on the things that, that was going on at Corinth, at Ephesus, uh, and following the idols of the Gentiles, and, and beginning the, being the beginning of spiritual fornication, that, that these were the things that we were being faced with during the time of Paul, and we're still being faced with these same type of things today. Come on, raves. 
How about ecstasy, pleasure, and eating? Catching the munchies? Right then, they was literally just going, literally going ham. And they was even doing it with, with human beings. So with that, brother, so this, I am going to end this class here today with, with, with uh, uh, on that note, uh, as we're sitting here talking about back in the days. When I do come back, hopefully on Monday, and catch his rhythm, and we're going we're gonna to go more into Bacchus now. We're dealing with Dionysus. We're going to go more into Bacchus. Not to, like, tobacco, but Bacchus. Where Dionysus evolved into. The Dionysus was from the Greeks. But his, his, his cult and his worship evolved into Bacchus and the Bacchanalia. Uh, and what was actually going on at Corinth? And we got to come back here to Corinth also. Um, that it was here at Corinth that, yeah, this this got to be, yeah. Um Yeah, I gotta mark this. So I know what I'm coming back to. Um, give me one second, y'all. Let me do this here in yellow. This right now is exactly what I left off at right here. Yeah, we're gonna come back to this. We had to come back to 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 this article about ancient Corinth. What was going on, uh, and how the, the following these gods, these idols, these festivals, these ways of Gentiles was beginning the spiritual fornication, and all this goes back to these customs, these traditions, these these things that that we held on to. It goes it goes back to paganism. It goes back to Nimrod and Semiramis and their son Tammuz, and how yes how Saramis got pregnant by her, the spirit of her powerful God husband, and she gave birth to a divine child. That this is what we've been led to believe is how Jesus Christ came on the earth through Mary. What I'm trying to establish, just, just, just to put it out there, what I'm trying to establish is that that whole thing that, that we believe, we've been taught to believe that, yeah, but we won't get into it, that the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary, that whole thing is pagan. But we will get into it. All right? We're going to get into it. So with that, brothers and sisters, I do appreciate those who might have been able to call in or listen in to, uh, to the computer. Has about two hours since it's definitely now expired. Um, Maybe catch the archive, hopefully so. Uh, please tune in tomorrow uh, to uh, the Brother Tazapa. He should be having, a, uh, hopefully he'll have his class uh, for your information. Uh, uh, so come out with another episode tomorrow. And if not, as you know, today is Wednesday. Uh, you can catch uh, uh, the Stream of Wisdom uh, out of Houston tonight, starting at 7 p.m. Central uh, uh, Standard Time on YouTube at uh, SOW Stream of Wisdom, uh, SOW Houston, Texas uh, Stream of Wisdom. Uh, and also, uh, the brother one I, uh, as Sword of Truth, has a class on YouTube as well at the Sword of Truth, um, San Antonio, Texas. 
All right. Thank everybody for tuning in. Hopefully this was inf uh, informational. Uh, you got some out of it, some edification. And we're, we're going to continue with this. All right. We're going to, we're going to continue with this. Uh, with that, my name is Mishaba. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and say Shalom. Shema discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void we're prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details